What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Josh Shields. Got a jam-packed good show for you this week. Uh, started a Major League Baseball season as opening weekend of the abbreviated 60-game season has come to a close. Give you my thoughts on the first weekend of the young MLB season. Give you my thoughts on other things that's happening in the world of sports, including Mookie Betts' big extension, which broke a couple days before the season started. Out the He, of course, is the outfielder for the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, Jamal Adams got traded to the Seahawks on Saturday. The uh, former Jet safety, no NFL preseason due to coronavirus. And uh, my Orioles uh, went, came into Fenway uh, Park, laid an egg in on opening night, and then came, and then the next two days, Saturday and Sunday, came by uh, to uh, shock the World Series champion two years removed, division rival Boston Red Sox. If you hear any cicadas or any noise in the background, I'm recording this episode on my patio today. Uh, you know, into the summer months. Uh, why not? You know, it's a nice day. We've had nice weather here in the state of Maryland last couple of days. So uh, why not do this episode uh, outside? First order of business as far as the Major League Baseball season is concerned. I'll start with the Yankees and the Nationals opener back in, on uh, Thursday night. Um, and Giancarlo Stanton, you know, showed signs of promise. Uh, you know, he hit, he was batting clean up, uh, was the DH for the Yankees on Thursday night. He went, uh, he went two for three in that range shortened game with three RBIs, only struck out one time. And of course he had, uh, the two run home run in the first inning off of, uh, Scherzer, which really did the Yankees favors and winning, uh, and winning that, and winning that ball game, which was, uh, which was shortened. On Thursday night, due to rain, it would only win, I believe, uh, five plus six innings on uh, Thursday night. So he showed signs of promise on Thursday, as did uh, new Yankee making his Yankee debut, Garrett Cole, the uh, multi million dollar man who they signed at the winter meetings this past uh, winter. Garrett Cole in five innings gave up only a run, five strikeouts, only walked the batter, and only gave up one hit, and that was the home run by uh, Adam Eaton of the uh, Washington Nationals on Thursday night. He had an impressive debut, and if the Yankees want to uh, basically fulfill the dreams of Yankee fans all over America, they need they need Stanton and Judge both to stay healthy, which so far so good. They need uh, Stanton, their guy that they're paying over $100 million to uh, rise to the occasion and to and to go out there and perform, which he has for the most part up until today, and then of course you need you need a guy making over three hundred million dollars in Garrett Cole to uh, go out there and dom and be a dominant starting pitcher and shut down and mow down the lineups one two three, which both of them have done so far in the season. Uh, they the Nash the Yankees beat the Nationals on Thursday night. Had an off day on had an off day on Friday, and then on uh, excuse me Saturday, uh, the Yankees and Nats and the Nationals uh, went at it on Saturday night on Fox. You had Buck doing the game in Denver, and you had Smoltz doing the game at the MLB Network studios. You know you wouldn't have noticed it uh, because of how smoothly of a game broadcast the game was, and that's kudos to the people over there at Fox. But the Nationals ended up winning that game by a final score of uh, nine to two. Uh, the the Nationals lit up Paxton. They had a three run set. They had a three run second inning, and they had a three run second inning. Paxton only went. Let me get this right. Paxton only could even get out of the first. Paxton only went one inning of work. He uh, and they and the Nationals lit him up. He gave up five hits, three runs. Both of them, or excuse me, all of them earned. And uh, and walked the batter and only struck out one guy. So the Nationals uh, lit up Paxson on Saturday night, and then they won 92 on Saturday to get their first win of the season. But then yesterday, the Nationals had a lead going in, heading into the seventh inning, where uh, but that all was for naught as as Glaber Torres and Luke Voigt. Both uh, went, uh, Torres went deep off of Patrick Corbin, who the Yankees couldn't hit for the majority of the afternoon. And then Luke Voigt 
went yard as well off and Luke Voigt went yard as well off of their reliever uh off of their reliever um Harris. Uh, so the Nas- so the Nationals down in the hole to begin the young season only have one win uh Will Harris uh only have one win so far uh, heading into the first weekday excuse me exiting opening weekend of the MLB season. Uh Again, I mean, I I I'm, I know it's a, it can be a little bit of an overreaction, but part of me is like, well, maybe the Nationals aren't aren't the uh, aren't the team in the NL uh, in the National League to go to the World Series. But then again, it's only three games. Don't want to overreact or, or or regret my pick just yet. But you can tell that they missed Soto outside of Saturday. You can tell that they missed Soto in the lineup on Friday and on Sunday. They couldn't hit, uh, and they and they also and they also missed um, and they also missed uh, Rendon as well, who hasn't who hasn't played yet much at all over with his new team in the LA Angels. You can tell that that offense. Uh, that it missed Soto, who's out, of course, with Corona, and they also missed Anthony Rondon. It'll be interesting to see how the Nationals adjust as we move later and deeper into the MLB season. Uh, the, and meanwhile, the the San Francisco Giants, even though they even though they had a decent uh, series with the with the LA Dodgers over in uh, Chavez Ravine, there and for nine miles of rough road on Thursday night, it was a joke. The team, the team can't hit. They can't drive in runs to scoring position. The bullpen stinks. I mean, I mean, and if you're a Giant fan, listen. You know, you saw this coming, with uh, you know, with Bruce Bochy gone, no Buster Posey, and uh, you know, you know, you knew heading into this season that the end was near, and there was a slim to none chance that your team would be involved in that 16-team tournament come uh, come October. But that, but the, but the Giants. Oh my goodness, goodness gracious! I mean, Kike uh, Hernandez went four for five. Went had a four for five day with five RBIs against the uh, against the Giants on Thursday night. I mean, their bull their bullpen is just an absolute. They their base running miscues. Oh my goodness, the Giants are a complete mess. So even though they split it and they had you know Giants Dodgers still goes a long way in the fans' eyes, of course. But the, but the Giants are in for nine miles of rough road, and I'm not talking about just for the 2020 season. I'm talking about for the 2020 season, 2021 season, 2022 season, and 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 the years down the road until they get back to uh, competitive baseball. Uh, that and having said that, the Dodgers aren't all that special either. Uh, they again they blew the giant they blew the Giants out the water on Thursday night. Friday night they go ahead and they. Excuse me. Friday night they uh, handled the Giants again. Again, the Giants and the the bullpen was an absolute absolute disgrace on Friday and sat on. Excuse me, on Thursday and Friday. So, and if you want me to go Gaga and to do uh, cartwheels from uh, from here to the Chesapeake Bay about the about the Dodgers uh, beating the Giants with uh, with the roster that they have, you're sadly mistaken. I mean, the, the the Giants are just not going to be a good is not going to be a good baseball team, and I get it. Dave, uh, excuse me, Gabe Kapler is a good guy, you know, and he, he's he's. I'm not questioning Dave, excuse me, Gabe Kapler, the uh, the person, you know, as far as him having the. Uh, you saw, of course, you had the first uh, female first base coach in MLB history. He gets props for that. Him him kneeling with his players during the national anthem. You give him props for that. But outside, but Gabe Kapler is is not uh is not Bruce Bochy under any circumstances. He's just he's just not that great of a manager. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know what the, what else to tell you, but he's not that great of a manager. Uh, but getting back to the Dodgers, they aren't. I mean, after Thursday and Friday, Friday they really uh found they really uh, were disappointing. Uh, they lost five to four in a game they had no business in in a game they had no business losing on Saturday night, and then last night. They couldn't. They again. It was a single marathon the entire game. You know, in between uh, a Rod with uh, you know having the ESPN uh, uh, interns 
who are making, you know, $5 an hour get make them go get the happy birthday sign off of uh, the clearance rack at Party City in uh, Bristol, Connecticut and having Jennifer Lopez with the with uh with 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 the glasses on in the bathrobe wishing Alex Rodriguez a, a happy birthday after we had her and A Rod's dopey kids come up to the come up to the broadcast booth uh when he, Alex Rodriguez turned forty four back in two thousand and nineteen. So in between that and I'll get to A Rod in a minute, the Dodgers did absolutely nothing on nothing hitting wise. Their 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 bats were quiet. I mean, when when you look, Mookie Betts and and granted, Mookie Betts is a great player and he'll be and he'll be good for the Dodgers this season and and for the next dozen years while they have him with that huge contract extension. But boy, when it when the time came for Mookie Betts or Max Muncie or Cody Bellinger to uh, to 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 get a big time hit to bust the game open in favor of the Dodgers, they were nowhere to be found. Absolutely nowhere to be found. They couldn't hit. They 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 couldn't hit the broad side of a barn last night. They was they were they were awful. So the Dodgers are going to be a great baseball team, but they but they but if you think that the Dodgers are are, are going to set the world on fire, you are you're sadly mistaken because. You, if they, if they can't if they can't beat the San Francisco Giants with that lousy bullpen at home, then I I get it. It's the first couple games of the season, but what what chance do you really have when you have to go up against the big bad uh, New York Yankees or even the Astros again? I mean, come on. I mean that that the, the Dodgers. You if you're the L.A. Dodgers, you can't split. You can't split a four game series against the Giants. That that you that you cannot do. You you can't do it cannot do it especially especially at home especially at home and granted you had no Kershaw but but you, but you can't but you can't do that um to the Mets Cespedes went yard you know for the first time in about uh 10 years no I'm kidding he uh went yard for the first time in a couple years uh to give the Mets a one nothing lead on opening day on a Friday afternoon and that was when that was all where the uh where the excitement uh, ends for the Mets because they were beaten, they got the they got their brakes beaten off of them and were absolutely ran out of the ballpark last night. I mean, I ter- I finished you know I finished working out. I get out the shower. I go downstairs to go get some uh, barbecue ribs and macaroni and cheese. Turn on turn on the TV and already the bra- the I think at the time the the Braves were up on the Mets. By like uh, what nine to one something like that. So, I mean, oh my goodness gracious, Diaz uh, again, once again. I, I mean, whatever, whatever he had back in his back when he was a Seattle Mariner, he's clearly lost because Edwin Diaz has been nothing but Ed Luz Diaz since he's uh, pitched in the orange and blue. He has been a complete disaster as far as a closer is concerned for the New York Metropolitans. He has been an absolutely disgustingly terrible closer for the Mets. Every, every game every game he touches and every save opportunity given to him it it, it it turns it turns to crap. So he blew a save on Saturday. The Mets lost that game. They didn't hit they didn't hit really for the majority of the series. Even the game they won on Friday it was just as Cespedes' home run that propelled them to win that game and and DeGrom's excellent starting pitching. Uh, but uh, the Saturday, Sunday's performance was putrid, and you got Diaz blowing saves left and right. So, uh, so again, so my brother, you know, Ian, of course, he's high on the Mets, and you know, he thinks the Mets will be a playoff team even with the expanded playoffs. But if they if they if they fall in the ruts where they can't hit, and they got a a tight one run game where they need uh, Edwin Diaz to slam the door on the opponent and to get the job done. Uh, you're you're there. His chances as good as mine to get the job done because er, because every uh, tight situation the Mets put him in, it's it's a complete disaster. I mean, but with between him and uh, between him and Robinson Cano, who's a hundred years old and hasn't been productive in about ten years. Oh my goodness, that stuff like that is, is what's going to get that GM uh, that agent turned to GM Brody Van Wagenen to the uh, to the unemployment line because I, I I have to ask him to see if he's still high on the Mets 
my brother using the Mets fan, but he liked the Mets to make the uh, to make the postseason with the expanded playoff uh, format and everything else. But after that performance this weekend against a pretty good Atlanta Braves team, I do not see the Mets making anything whatsoever. Uh, Bryce Harper disappointed. Uh, couldn't get a hit. Couldn't buy a hit. Did nothing but strike out left and right. And in the opener against uh, against the Miami Marlins, after you know he gave us the whole one and where thing, uh, and he's making over three hundred million dollars playing with the Philadelphia Phillies, and and his team just having won, uh, his ex team just having won a World Championship, the 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 his first year out of town, you'd think he'd have a little bit extra motivation not to go hitless against uh, the Miami Marlins of all teams. And uh, on opening night, just want to throw that out there. Eric Hosmer had a six RBI opening day against the Padres, and the Padres, who I saw and who I've been seeing a lot of the last couple of days, Manny Machado had a nice home run late on Saturday night to kind of close to close the deal uh, and secure the uh, Padres' win on Saturday night to to defeat the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Padres, I, t- I tell you, the Padres are going to be a, a good, a sneaky good team. They got Tatis, Paddock, who can pitch. Uh, he's a he's a he's a young stud that's got some moxie. He's got a little bit of an edge to him. Machado, of course, with his days being a Baltimore Oriole, I know he's a baller. Eric Cosmer, he has to uh, have a bounce back year in the in the most desperate way imaginable. And of course, Fernando Tatis Jr. has the young uh, star has plenty of uh, promise. And the Padres are one earlier today. They beat the Diamondbacks by the final score of uh, six uh, by the final score of six to two, and uh, and they had and just a phenomenal job by uh, by that team. They're hitting. They get they drive guys in with runners in scoring position, and and lo and behold, you go check the NL West standings, and the Padres are sitting pretty at uh, three and one. A half game ahead, the uh, Colorado Rockies in for the lead in the National League uh, West. So I like the Padres. I like the Padres this season. I'll keep a close eye on the Padres. I think that will be a very, very sneaky good uh, baseball team here in 2020. A couple of news to get to uh, as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. It happened the last couple of days. Shohei Otani spit the bit. Uh, could not get out of the first inning. On sat on excuse me on Sunday afternoon against the Oakland A's, uh, you know, you know Mike in Orange County, friend of the program and a and a listener and uh, and I, we and we all love Mike, but I I tell Mike all the time, Mike, your team, I don't care if they have Mike Trout, Reggie Jackson, Anthony Rendon, Rod Carew, and uh, and um, Vladimir Guerrero in that lineup you are not under any circumstances making the postseason when your two-way unicorn Shohei Otani cannot get out of the first inning against the Oakland A's. I'm, I'm sorry. And then and then the bullpen collapsed against the Oakland A's and Matt Chapman in the uh, in extra innings on Friday night and Shohei didn't know the rules or I think it might have been Shohei it might have been someone else but but then they but then they don't know the rules and they have bonehead uh base running miscues running the bases you know in an extra inning game which which you can't do that's why he got spring training that's why he had the whole summer gap thing for two and a half weeks you, you just you just can't do that so I so I, I know Mike is high on his angels and Mike Trout this Mike Trout that but I, but I, I'm I'm telling him Mike, don't expect any postseason whatsoever when your bull, when your bullpen stinks. And I know Bill and, Dylan Bundy was decent the other day. Take it from a Baltimore Orioles fan. Dylan Bundy is not – you do not want the ball in Dylan Bundy's hands when you have to uh, – when you're playing a best of three or a best of five playoff series against, uh, the, Tampa, against the Tampa Bay Rays – the Houston Astros, the New York Yankees, or the Minnesota Twins. Dylan Bunny is the last pitcher in America you want to play that game, as especially if you're going up against the Yankees or the race. God, God help you if if Dylan Bundy is the is the guy you have to rely on to get to give you a decent five six innings to get you home because he's not going to do it under any circumstances. They couldn't hit the day. They lost to the, they lost to the Athletics earlier today. 
uh, three three to nothing. Mark Kanha hit a solo home run early in that game, which really propelled them to victory. Uh, again, couldn't hit. Uh, Anthony Rendon is little to nowhere to be found. Uh, Shohei Otani uh, vomited all over himself yesterday. So we get the Angels on the board here in this opening monologue. Verlander has a forearm. Uh, they're, they're shutting down Verlander for a couple weeks with his forearm issue. Uh, rumored that it was his elbow and that uh, he and that uh, and that he might have been shut down for the season. That rumor, of course, is debunked. Um, they're shutting him down for a couple of weeks with his forearm issue. That will hurt the Astros uh, severely, considering that they don't have Cole anymore. And that's a team that's already taken a couple blows to their ego, as is with the, with the whole cheating scandal and everything else. So we get Verlander's injury on the board. Uh, Orioles and Marlins, the two games were supposed to be played today and tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday, July 27th and 28th. The, the Major League Baseball pulled a plug on those games because of the Marlins highly, or excuse me, not highly, but the Marlins are infected with, uh, they got players and staffers there infected with coronavirus, and they might have uh, in, contaminated and infected members of the Philadelphia Phillies. So as a result, the Yankees and the Phillies game tonight, they put Major League Baseball earlier this afternoon, pulled the plug on that game as well. So we get those two uh, on the board, and the idea that major well, see, this is what happens. You don't have a bubble. Well, 30, 30, 30 MLB teams, about what, uh, forty plus man rosters. I mean, and and it's not like basketball or, or hockey, where you know where it's where it's a little stationary, little hockey rink or basketball court. I mean, there, there, there's not a bunch of baseball fields, you know, within a uh, twenty-five mile radius. MLB regulation just. And and MLB regulate as far as uh, as far as field lights and clubhouse uh, cer- certifications and anything. It's not it's not like that compared to the NBA. And and again, sports like baseball and football they they cannot play in the bubble. It's too many people, and you, and they have to use major league or NFL's facilities in order for them to pull it off. So granted, the NBA's done a fantastic job, but you cannot have a bubble. Like the NBA can have a bubble. Also, the NBA, all the NBA teams aren't down in Orlando. Only the teams that have a chance to make the postseason are down in Orlando. Okay, the, the the New York Knicks are not down in Orlando, Florida at Disney World. Okay, the uh, the the Miami Marlins and the Miami Marlins, the Baltimore Orioles, the Detroit Tigers, they they have to play. They have to play a they have to play a full season. So the idea. Jumping on Major League Baseball, see this is what happens when you don't have a bubble is is nonsense because because this is that this sport and football you cannot pull off with a bubble. Hockey, basketball, soccer you can, football and baseball you cannot. And last thing as we clo- as we close this opening monologue here, okay, I don't understand and I don't get ESPN's huge. I mean I understand it, but I don't get nor do I agree with the idea and the fascination that ESPN has with Alex Rodriguez. He, I mean, th- does does ESPN, uh, it's almost like ESPN wants to make you think that we forgot how much of a pathological liar, a disgusting, despicable cheat he was. You know, this same guy that sued baseball, sued his own players' union, Lied to uh, lied to Katie Couric on on uh, 60 Minutes. I mean, does does ESPN and Fox too? But he, he was with ESPN the majority of the weekend. I mean, do they think that we've forgotten about all of that? And the fact that Ash Rodriguez is prob- was probably his entire career is essentially you can throw it in the uh, wastebasket because he's most likely juicing from the time he stepped on a major league field to the time he he called it quits. And and ESPN's got to get got to give me the Alex Rodriguez show and him pimping his, his beer company during the broadcast and 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 his Captain Obvious anal- uh, analysis and his and his uh, and his analogies that make zero to no sense making up lies that Aaron Judge was recruited to play football at Notre Dame no he wasn't a Rod get a clue I I I I, I don't understand the huge 
fascination and the intrigue with Alex Rodriguez. Why? Be- what? For, because ESPN wants the uh, wants the Alex Rodriguez with a cameo every now and the, now again now excuse me now and again from Jennifer Lopez. And Jennifer Lopez is is what fifty one, fifty two years old. Okay, she's not twenty five, not twenty seven, not thirty two. Okay, no no one is interested in 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 these two has been old farts that haven't been relevant since uh, since uh, George Bush or or uh, since George Bush was president. And uh, n- nobody cares. Okay, a a Rod Sting uh, for G Wiz pay pay me eight hundred dollars eight or eighty dollars a minute eighty dollars an hour and I'll and I'll do the games for crying out loud. I'll do the games for Maddie V. Get the ESPN bring stuff to bring stuff to my house. I give me set me up with a monitor and headset and everything else and I'll call the games with Matt Vascursion because he is he is he is a terrible terrible game analyst for ESPN. He's, he he stinks. He, I mean, and and, it's, and you also get the feeling that he that he doesn't do any homework prior to when he does these games either. He doesn't watch the he doesn't watch film. He doesn't he doesn't read the notes. He doesn't read the newspaper. He doesn't look at the stats. He doesn't have a spreadsheet out in front of him. It, it, it it's almost as just like you know he's Alex Rodriguez doing nine hundred million different things, and then when Sunday night comes, he just puts on a headset and he essentially just wings it. That's that's the feeling I get when you watch A Rod on these broadcasts. That it's just you know he goes ahead and he farts around. He lives the life of Alex Rodriguez, and then when Sunday night comes, he he pretends that he's a uh, that he's a that he's a uh, baseball TV analyst, which he is not. He stinks. He's st- he's terrible. He's awful. But I I, I don't understand ESPN's huge. Fascination with Alex Rodriguez. What? What? So we can get Jennifer Lopez on the camera for thirty seconds. Give me a break, please. Give me a break. This, this, we, we didn't, we didn't wait four months. From we didn't wait essentially the entire spring and halfway into the summer for baseball, and sit through the players and the owners going back and forth with the money and the pro-raised salaries and all that nonsense. For us to uh, to hear Alex Rodriguez uh, bump his gums, I mean, I I I I I can't take it. I I I can't take it. Can't take it. Can't can't take it. Won't take it. I did. Enough with the Alex Rodriguez show. I'm begging you. Get get him off my television screen, please. I stayed up till quarter to two with the Giants Dodgers, and and my, and my ears were bleeding every single time Alex Rodriguez opened up his mouth. Enough of he of him broadcasting these games, and I and I and and not every and for every single birthday ESPN we don't have to basically pause the game for ninety seconds to give you so we all bow down and uh, and uh, and worship Alex Rodriguez and we get a thirty second cameo of Jennifer Lopez because the American sports fan and the baseball fan watching that game doesn't give a crap about Jennifer Lopez. We we don't again. And she, I mean, she, I mean, think she's old enough to be my mother, and no, nobody is interested in Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez. I mean, what did people again cheated multiple times, lied about it numerous times, pathological liar, and sued baseball and sued his own players union because of his cheating. Think about that for a minute. About a half hour in, we'll continue. Get to my Orioles winning uh, their opening series against the Red Sox right after this. Welcome back to the Yamatelica TIU's podcast. Switching gears now and giving sole attention to yours truly's favorite baseball team that's provided him plenty of moments of strife, agony, and anger throughout uh, throughout his life, and that is my Baltimore Orioles. If I would have came on the air and if I would have recorded this on a Saturday morning or set, or uh, if I would have recorded this late Friday night or Saturday morning, 
I would have came on here and yelled and screamed about the Orioles. Their, their pitching was horrendous. Tommy Malone, granted, uh, they only signed him to a minor league contract, and he was kind of forced into that role to start, but he was disgusting to watch. Three innings, gave up four hits, walked the ballpark, only struck out five guys. The bullpen wasn't any help either. David Hess got tagged for seven hits and three runs. Uh, Carroll came in, couldn't even record an out, and gave up uh, and gave, only gave up a hit. But uh, but he gave only gave up one hit, but he gave up four runs because he too walked the ballpark. Uh, and if I, I would have came on here, I would have yelled and screamed, "This team stinks!" How many with with this guy? I would have went on and on and on and on and on. But thank God I didn't because it because maybe because it would have made me eat eat crow the next day. Because boy, and Brandon Hyde to his credit. You know, he came out there and he owned it. He was like, you know what? We like we like to uh, we like to flush this loss down the toilet, which they did. I mean, the Friday night they were disgusting. Their pitching was horrendous. Their hitting was horrendous. Their base running fundamentals were would make a literally coach pull his hair out. So what did they do? They flushed the toilet. They woke up Saturday. They woke up Saturday morning and they said, you know what? We'll go to Fen. We're gonna go back to Fenway. We're going to and we're going to get our first W of the season, and we're going to come out all and we're going to, and we're going to come out guns blazing and strike while the iron is hot, which they did because the first two innings of the ball game they combined for five runs scoring, had three in the first, two in the second, uh, and had a two-run seventh thing which closed the deal. Uh, Hanser Alberto went three for five in the game. Austin Hayes went two for five. Jose Iglesias went uh, two for, went two for five. Um, and they uh, and he only left five guys on score, five runners on scoring position on Saturday while pitching Alex Cobb, who who uh, provided me plenty of moments of anger in previous seasons with the Orioles, came out and looked like his old self. That uh, when he was a member of the Tampa Bay Rays, he pitched five in the third, gave up four hits, one run, and struck out six. Uh, and he and he was fan and he was very very good. I was pleased with his performance on Saturday. Paul Fry uh, did, gave up a run, but uh, but he uh, again, he didn't walk the ballpark either. The Orioles didn't walk anybody. Uh, I don't I didn't think they walked anybody. They walked seven guys. Their pitchers walked seven guys on Friday night, Saturday, and yesterday on Sunday. I don't think they walked any. Uh, Castro uh, came in, pitched a, uh, only pitched a third of an inning. He was uh, he was masterful, and then of course you had uh, Michael Givens come in there with and pitched an inning and a third of work, only giving up one hit and struck out two batters. And the Orioles won their first game of the season and beat the Red Sox seven to two. Then you fast forward to Sunday. And boy, what a job they did Sunday. Rio Ruiz hit a two-run home run. And again, like they did on Saturday, they struck early while the iron was hot. They put up two runs in the first inning, a run in the third, and three runs in the fourth inning. And, and got a little bit of an insurance run, courtesy of Chris Davis. Who, what, yeah, Chris Davis providing the Orioles some insurance late in the ninth inning, which propelled the Orioles to have to take a 7-4 to victory against the division rival Boston Red Sox in Boston and at Fenway Park to begin the 2020 60-game MLB season and to put the Orioles at least till maybe Friday, which which might be the next time the Orioles will play because the uh, two games in Miami have already been, the two games have already been plugged via Major League Baseball. Whether Miami will come here to play the Orioles is yet to be determined, but if not, uh, for a week, or not for a week, but for a couple of days, the Orioles are sitting pretty in mid-late July. Something, you know, these words have not been said uh, since 2016, 2017, of my Baltimore Orioles being in first place on July 27th and in, in late July. Words that have not been said for a few years, so... I, I grant this. Will this team make the postseason? No. Will this team eventually, as they continue to play, find more ways to lose, find and invent new ways to lose baseball games, and will make me angry and will and will bother me? Yes, I expect. I expect that, being an Orioles fan. But at least for a moment, they give me a moment. Uh, they give me a couple days of pride and and happiness and. Uh, 
and um, what's the word I'm looking for? And um, I guess calmness with knowing that my team has played well and won the first series of the new of the new season, winning two out of three on the road against Boston, who wasn't who wasn't who wasn't projected to be world beaters in the American League East anyway. But then again, they, they they beat Boston, which which always goes a long way with the Orioles, uh, with the Orioles faithful. So, take it for what it's worth. Two out of three opening series. You know, if uh, if they don't if they don't end up playing the Marlins uh, this week, next or this or excuse me, next weekend though on Friday they'll play uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, so another uh, division opponent. And we'll see, uh, and we'll have to see how they play against the uh, t- against the Tampa Bay Rays, and if they will show up and show out in Baltimore. They they made the flight back home to Baltimore because of their series being uh, pulled against the Miami Marlins. They are now in Baltimore as I'm speaking, and we'll we'll see how the week uh, turns out for my Baltimore Orioles. But they did a good job. Uh, drove in runners with drove. They had uh, good clutch hitting with two outs. Uh, dr- drove in runners in scoring position on Saturday and Sunday. Again, they struck and they scored early and often in the in the early innings. Something they did not do on Friday night. Uh, Castro tried to blow it when he came into the ball game in the middle innings on Sunday, but uh, but he and the Orioles bullpen prevailed, and of course they had the insurance run. From Chris Davis at the top of the ninth inning, but uh, my or I tell you, for a team that's uh, been a laughing stock the last few years and been an utter embarrassment and a disgrace, it's nice that they uh, gave us a, a nice weekend of baseball, uh, the opening week of the 2020 MLB season. So take a break, and we will come back, and Mookie and I'll get into all the news. And that's happening in sports in the last couple of uh, days to close out the program. Be back with the Amatelica TIS podcast right after this. To the Amatel Like a TIS podcast, get to a couple of uh, news and notes that's happening in the world of sports the last couple of days here in this last segment of the program. First off, let's just stick with the baseball and then we'll go branch out and, excuse me, branch off into some other things. Uh, Mookie Betts, who I, who I mentioned at the top of the program, he, like uh, Patrick Mahomes, had got a big payday on Thursday before the season started. Uh, he for 12 years and 365 million dollars. Mookie Betts will be a Los Angeles Dodger for the next uh, 12 years, 365 million. Um, like I said, great player, phenomenal talent, but again, he a he hasn't hit that well in the postseason. He's like a 220 hitter, if I'm not mistaken, in the postseason with uh, the Boston Red Sox. And when and I know it's a young season, it's been unfair to judge him off of a small sample size. But when the time came for him to bring his team home on uh, on uh, Sunday night with the Dodgers, when it was you know when he had runners in scoring position, he couldn't bring him home. So, uh, but I like the signing with, uh, but I like the Mookie Betts signing. Um, I also like it because you know from the sport that doesn't have a whole heck of a lot. African American, you know, black baseball players. 
that play the sport for one thing, and there's and if there's not a lot of them to play in the sport to begin with, you know, there's not a lot of them that are making the Mike Trout, the Bryce Harper, the Garrett Cole money. So it's good to see a brother um, um, making that bread uh, and um, and showing up and showing out and and being uh, the poster boy. I guess it's fair to say for the black community as far as be, uh, baseball player. Is concerned. He's playing, and you know, he got out the, and it's, and again, it's not about the money. You know, the the Red Sox were 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 ready to offer him whatever he wanted, but you know, he he wanted no parts of Boston, and I and I know the reason why. He's not gonna come right out and say it, but the reason why is is because of the city I was in. I mean, go ask Bo Russell, go ask Adam Jones. Got a bag of peanuts thrown at him a couple years ago, if you remember that when he was with my Baltimore Orioles. Go ask him. Who, I thrown a bag of peanuts out at him, and 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 people called him a nigger. And then go ask Bill Russell how how jolly the Boston fan, is, the white Boston fan, is. You know when he was a member of the Celtics for for about a quarter of a century. So throughout the late fifties and all and all through the and all through the sixties, and then when he became a coach, I believe in the nineteen. When he became a coach for the Celtics in the 1970s, now, Boston for a black for for the for a black man, Boston is not an easy place to play, under under any 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 circumstances. So I mean, he's not come right out and say that, but we all know why he left Boston because the city does not exactly uh, treat the black athlete, even if it's one of their own, with uh, with the greatest bit of class. And that's and that's just and that's just the fact of the matter. So and I like it. He's also in a big market in L.A. where he again where he can share the spotlight with the likes of LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, and you got Mookie Betts sitting there. And all you got to do, Mookie, is win is win the Dodgers their first championship since 1988, and you'll be etched in uh, in L.A. sports lore along with the along with the likes of likes of Kobe. Uh, Magic Johnson, Kurt Gibson, Oral Hershiser, uh, Sandy Koufax, uh, um, Deacon Jones, and and Eric Dickerson, and I could, and I could go on and on and on and on and on. So that's all. Bring a championship home to him, and you'll be and LA will love you for the rest of your life, and and the, and even once you uh, pass on. So that's my thoughts on Mookie extension. Uh, Major League Baseball had a phenomenal, phenomenal weekend opening weekend. The uh, the Nationals, uh, the Nationals uh, Yankees game was the most watched regular season game on any network in nine seasons in nine years. Um, it drew an audience of four million viewers, and that's the largest audience for an opening night game since the Cardinals and the Cubs in 2017 with 3.7, of course. That was when the Cubs, the year after the Cubs won their first championship, in over uh, in over a century, and and the uh, and the late game, the Dodgers and Giants delivered uh, 2.6 million views, the largest ESPN audience for a late night baseball game in the Eastern uh, time zone. So you can see, uh, you can just tell by the and they had a and it wasn't just that game. I believe the Fox game did very well as well. Baseball had a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, weekend ratings-wise, national on Fox and on ESPN, and on I would imagine on the regional networks as well. Um, they got pl plenty of buzz, plenty of attention. Uh, I'm pretty sure the MLB Network games were also highly rated as well. You, you can, you know, it was, you know, some many people think that there shouldn't have been that we shouldn't have a baseball season because of X, Y, and Z can totally make that argument and and I wouldn't disagree with that but again if you love sports and if you love baseball and you're a baseball fan would it be why would in a perfect world should we be playing baseball no but if they're going to give you baseball and you're a baseball junkie like yours truly is you might as well accept it and at this rate when you've been essentially bored stiff and have had nothing big uh, nothing of a big sporting event, a game. Not the draft is the last big sporting event. That's your draft. You when you haven't essentially had an actual set of games to pay attention to since uh, since January, since the Super Bowl, you'll take what you, you'll take what you can get at this point. So uh, and but they had a big uh, weekend ratings wise with uh, with uh, Major League Baseball.
Uh, Jamal Adams got traded on Saturday. Uh, Seahawks sent a couple of first-round draft picks to the Jets to get the safety, who uh, at one point wanted to be a Dallas Cowboy, and the next minute he loved uh, playing in uh, in New Jersey. So I don't make him. It ain't my problem. That's uh, Pete Carroll's, Russell Wilson's, and uh, my and my brother's Ian's problem because he's on their team now. And uh, and I know Ian was already uh, getting ready to uh, crown the Seahawks NFC champions and to book them for Super Bowl Fifty Five down in Tampa if we are so fortunate to have a football season. But I told him, I said, okay, defense is fine. Bobby Wagner, great. Jamal Adams, great. Fantastic. But what do you and the Griffin brothers also a phenomenal story with them. But what are you going to do when your offense and they and their offense does get in ruts where they cannot put the ball in the end zone to uh, to save to save their lives? I mean, this this, this is a Seahawks offense that had to go rely on a retired Marshawn Lynch to carry the load at running back for them late last year. So got to keep that in mind before uh, you crown the Seahawks NFC champions. And I'm talking to you. Uh, no NFL pre and again and one other thing and I know listen, he's a great guy he's a phenomenal guy but does uh, but does but does Russell Wilson have to name his kid when I I know I know nobody cares and I'm nitpicking and I'm being a sort of a jerk but I mean when that that's that that's the best thing you can come up with for your child is when when Wilson I mean, really Russell who who isn't you know who who get you know who who's who falls on the cheesy side as far as uh, as far as guys in the league are concerned? He he he's not. I mean, great, great guy, phenomenal human being, but I mean, Jay was Russell Wilson. He very very cheesy, very cartoonish, very uh, perky. Everything he's so Pollyanna, and then. Uh, again, his kid, his he has he has the responsibility to raise it. It's not my problem, but I mean, you had about nine months to a year to think of a name, and the best you could come up with for your baby boy is when, when when the first two letters of your last name are W I. I mean, did did did, did my parents uh, back in 2002, 18 years ago, look at me and give me the name uh, Sheldon or or uh, Sean or uh, or Shantae or Shanti or no, they did not. I don't know. Naming your kid, giving your kid a name, a first name with the first two letters of the first name with are the same first two letters of the last name is completely asinine. And in fact, that he named this kid Win is just it, 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 that, that's a stupid name, you know. Like 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 the Redskins, his name should also be forced to change too. You can, you can come up with you can come up with a million different names than when, and even if he wants to speak life and to speak promise into him, there are other names out there, and you can find plenty of them out there to speak uh, promise and to speak positivity into your kid. Hell, name him name him Prince for crying out loud after the uh, after the late genius musician. Name him name him Prince or or give him my name, which I believe in Hindu means winner. Jai. I think in Hindu it means winner, and biblically it means enlightened by God. So, get give him my name. You have my blessing. You have my permission, or or name him Prince or something else besides Win Russell. Please, please, please. But anyway, I'm getting off the beaten path. Uh, no NFL preseason for 2020. The Players Association and the owners agreed on that for health reasons. Which means that if we have, if we are so fortunate to have an NFL season, boy, will the first cup we, uh, you, we, we will essentially have to stomach uh, subpar, substandard football until uh, until early to mid October because those guys will be as rusty and and will be as uh, stale as all can be, and uh, and they won't and. They, they, I mean, and and it's bad enough that that the first couple weeks of the season are spotty because because the regulars and the stars rarely ever play. And I get it; it's, it's just it's it comes from the uh, mindset of preventing injury. But 
but I mean the the NFL players hate to admit this, but they but they need the preseason just as much as the young guy trying to make the fifty third roster spot needs the preseason because they need it they need it from a tune up standpoint to make sure when they go out there week one, week two, week three of the season that they don't uh you know, that they don't uh screw up things that would make a uh, J V football coach slam his headset. So and, but uh, no NFL preseason for the health protocol. But again, if we are ha- if we are so fortunate to have football season, we've been warned for a very spotty, substandard, uh, lame duck, uh, stale football as far as in the quality of play to begin the 2020 season. We've been warned. And last thing before we say goodbye. Uh, Dan Snyder should sell the team. I was on it last week's episode. I'm on it again this week, again. And I went back and forth with, uh, of course, Coach Ayrton, good, uh, you know, at my old football coach and and a friend of the program. And I know they you know, he, he he went back and forth tooth and nail and tried to fight me off best he could with Snyder and 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 splitting hairs with what stuff Snyder is responsible for. Bottom line: When you're in, when your team is responsible for, and is in the news for uh, for sexual misconduct and sexual assault and rumors of of uh, pimping out your cheerleaders, that's that's not a good sign. Especially when you've been despised because of your refusal your refusal, excuse me, to change the name, and you haven't won a freaking thing since you've been the owner. So I'll say it again, loudly, and I'll keep on saying it. NFL needs to crack down again. They they've been quiet last last week or so. They need to crack down, quit being so soft, and get Snyder to sell the team because eventually enough is enough. And this kind of nonsense with uh, with screwing around with your team and sexual assault cases and stuff that stuff has to change. And uh, and, and if you don't think the Redskins don't have blood on their hands. Uh, or excuse me, the Washington football team doesn't think that they have blood on their hands. Then why do you think that they hired uh, that they hired uh, Julie Donaldson to be their new senior VP of media? I'm not I'm not saying she isn't qualified. I'm not saying that she doesn't that she doesn't or doesn't does or does not do a good job for the team. I, I'm not a Redskins fan. I couldn't tell you that, but it, it, it it's a little coincidental that they hire a woman to be the senior VP of uh, media when they got a scandal out with uh, with a set with 15 women in sexual assault. You, you, you got to think about that. You got to think about that. So, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Amatel Ekatiyas podcast. Good program today. I'll hit you guys up next week. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at I'm Intel underscore ATIS. Follow the show on Instagram at I think it's I'm tell it I'm tell it underscore podcast. I'm your boy Josh Shields. Enjoy the rest of your week. Talk to you in the next one. <laughs>